Welcome to Nobody Asks Us to Do This, a next Jehovah's Witness podcast. I have with me my co-host, Joe Mitchell. Joe, how are you? Doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing great. And I also have our occasional co-host joining us for the first time today, Betsy Jail. Hi, Betsy. Hi, Ruben. How are you? I'm doing great. Good. How are you, Joe? Doing good. How you doing, Bets? I'm good, good. Hey, Betsy, since it's your first time on the show... Can you give us a little background on your Jehovah's Witness journey? Just a real quick synopsis, if you don't mind. Okay, so quick synopsis. I was born into the Jehovah's Witness organization. I was born to a very devout Jehovah's Witness family. My father was an elder. My mother was a pioneer. I was a pioneer at one point. I was disfellowshipped for the first time when I was 16 years old. And very hard to get reinstated for quite a few years. Got reinstated for a very brief time period in my early 20s, and then was disfellowshipped again about a year later via certified letter. I still believe they were, quote unquote, the truth until my mid-20s when I began doing some research. Eventually found your group, Ruben, the the old extra Jehovah's Witness recovery group. So that is kind of my story in a nutshell. All right. Thanks for sharing. Today, we want to discuss the topic, the broad road journey of Jehovah's Witnesses. The reason why I called this episode the broad road journey of Jehovah's Witnesses is because there's so many different types of Jehovah's Witnesses. Each person has a unique take and unique experience. And I wanted to talk to both of you about this and also get your take on each of these groups. So the first group I want to speak about is the PIMO, which is the P-I-M-O, the acronym that Ex-Jehovah's Witnesses have come up with. The Physically In, Mentally Out. What are your thoughts on this? And were either one of you a PIMO at any point in your journey out of the Jehovah's Witnesses? I was a PIMO. That was me for like the last two years. I attended the meetings regularly. I knew the rules, so I knew once I left, my family would have to cut me off. I'm close to my family. Like even now, like my mom, my dad, they still check up on me because of the way I left. Like I didn't get this fellowship. I'm not disassociated. I kind of just left. They find the loopholes and the rules to still talk to me. When I was in there for two years, I didn't believe anymore. It didn't make sense, but I didn't want to leave. So mentally I was out, but physically I still attended the halls until it didn't make sense to me to keep going and not believe. That must have been really hard, man, going to meetings and really not believing in it. It was hard because you're there and somebody would say something and you want to argue with them because that's how we were raised to, you know, debate the things we didn't agree with. You have to keep your mouth shut and you're in a room with your father and he's talking about homosexual kids and you don't think that it's wrong to be homosexual, but you have to listen to these people bash them. It's, yeah, it got to a point I couldn't do it anymore, especially when my son came out. I had to cut ties with them. I I knew how they felt, and it was uncomfortable for my son to be around them. And, it, yeah, it was time for me to go. Can I ask you, what what was it like? Did you preach at that time when you were PIMO? No, I didn't preach. Um, I was that bad Jehovah's Witness that you used to talk about. Like, I would turn in time, but because I had <laughs> to. I remember the first time I stopped turning in time. They made it such a big deal. My father kept reminding me, you know, the minute you don't turn in time, they consider you inactive. So the day the he called me and said, do you have any time? And I said, no. And they were trying to convince me to say, well, at least you had 30 minutes. I'm sure you talked to somebody about Jehovah. And I'm like, no, dad, I talked to no one. And my father was like, are you sure? 
that's the answer you want to give. And after that, he stopped calling me for time because I guess he knew what was up. Okay, so physically and mentally out, that was you, Joe. But there's another type of external witness, POMI, P-O-M-I, which means physically out, mentally in. Betsy, was that you? That was me, absolutely, for 10 years. Holy moly. Um, yeah, because again, I was disfellowshipped for the first time when I was 16 and didn't actually begin researching it until my mid-20s. So for 10 years, I thought I was going to die. Armageddon was still coming any day. And I knew that I was not where I was supposed to be to survive that. And so when it came, it was going to kill me. And that was very, it was very, very hard. How'd you do during thunderstorms? Not great during thunderstorms. I didn't do well during thunderstorms. And looking around me at current events, you know, that are going on in the world right now, I... And knowing that there are people out there who are in that state where they are physically out, mentally in, my heart absolutely breaks for them. Because, you know, the world is really scary right now. It was it was hard. It was very, very hard. I guess we could be very empathetic to... I bring up thunderstorms, but geez, like this whole pandemic going on right now, if you're physically out and mentally in, can you imagine... Wow. I think for a lot of people that are physically out and mentally in, they still have contact with probably some of their family members that are still pushing this in their ear, that are telling mm-hmm. them, like, you need to come back now because, you know, these signs that the society has told us, they're happening. And if you stay out there, you're going to die. You're right. I can sympathize with those people. I'm sure the stress is getting to them at this point. How about you, Betsy? What, any other yeah, thoughts? I can't, even, I, I can't imagine. Like, I can't even imagine. I would be. I can't even imagine the levels of cortisol that their bodies must be producing on a constant basis. Some of these people who are pomies aren't 100% pomies. Some of them are mentally out at some points and in other points they're mentally in. Leaving this organization is not a linear journey for very many people that I know of. There is definitely a, a group of people who, you know, they're physically out, disfellowshipped or dissociated, however they left. They're no longer a Jehovah's Witness, but they are not fully deprogrammed from that entire mindset. So while they may even participate in ex-Jehovah's Witness groups, listen to ex-Jehovah's Witness podcasts, watch YouTube videos, read books, those types of things, they still have that residual fear of what if they, like Joe was saying earlier, what if they're right? So they're sort of half mentally, half in, half out, where some of those residual fears still are in them. My heart goes out to those folks as well, you know, because that's a really scary place to be. Were you ever at that halfway point? Yeah. Okay. I think definitely that I think that for someone in my situation, it wasn't like I read this one thing and I was like, oh, they were totally wrong about everything. I read a few things and I was like, okay, they were wrong about this and they were wrong about that. And let's see what else they're wrong about. But are they still right about the whole Armageddon thing? Ultimately, do they have more truth than, so they were wrong about these two things, but do they still ultimately have more truth than every other religion? So I think for me personally, there was a definite progression. Once the house of cards started falling, it fell pretty quickly for me. It wasn't years that I sat in that state. Once I started realizing that they were wrong, it was a span of a few months, not years. Wow. See, and I guess for me, I guess there's a progression because I went from a Pimo to a fader. 
I was still in, but I just started fading away because it stopped making sense. I think that's the best way to describe it. It was that I just slowly faded out of it. And I love that you brought up the faders because that was my next group. Tell us more about this fade progression you made from Pima to fader. Why did you decide to fade? Um, because I didn't get my panda. And as soon as I didn't get my panda, <laughs> I just, I just, just, I was just like, hey, let, let me just start researching. And as soon as I started researching and looking at things outside of the organization, a lot of it just stopped making sense. Like all of it. Like, okay, you, you tell me in one breath that we don't predict, but all of these years you've been predicting. As soon as that happened, it was like everything stopped making sense to me. In regards to this fading away, it's a time where you're kind of like trying to figure shit out, right? I don't know. Am I, am I speaking correctly, Joe, that it gave yeah, you that time to figure it out? Like, I mean, think about the time. Is it worth losing your family? That's how it was for me fading away. But I also know that a lot of XO's witnesses use the fade to keep in touch with their families. After faders, we have people who have been disfellowshipped or excommunicated from the religion. In that group, I find that there's two types. There's the ones that are disfellowshipped and still believe in the religion, and the people who are excommunicated and no longer believe. Were either of you any of those or both at any point? When I got this fellowship, when I got this fellowship once, um, and I didn't get this fellowship for anything other than when my wife got this fellowship, they were trying to convince me to say that I wouldn't talk to her. And I couldn't say it because the situation that happened didn't make sense. So I got this fellowship because I refused to say I wouldn't talk to the woman. And then I ended up marrying her because I thought that would fix things. And then, no, that didn't fix things. I ended up still getting this fellowship. But when I was this fellowship, I still believed. And I was this fellowship for an exactly a year. Because as soon as I was this fellowship, I started following all the rules. We went to all of the meetings. And in six months, we tried to write a letter to come back. And they denied it. And then after a year, they let us back. So I was only just fellowship for a year and still believe. The encounters that I have with this fellowship believers, like they believe, I don't like them. (laughs) (laughs) I really, I, I will say this. I would rather deal with a Jehovah's Witness that I encounter on the street and start having a conversation, have a disagreement any day than the disfellowshipped people that still believe in it. Because they have this whole attitude of, well, I'm disfellowshipped and I could be the biggest asshole to you I want. They could do whatever you do, but they're going to look down on you like you're a piece of turd because they believe in it. How would you have treated me or would you have ignored Um. me? I would have ignored. I would have ignored you. Okay. Like, yeah. See, and the thing is, I wasn't doing anything wrong when I was this fellowship. We pretty much followed the rules. Like when we got this fellowship, me and my ex, we actually still had family worship. Like we would do family study. Okay, cool. So you were really like working on your way. We were working on getting back because okay. I thought God was watching us. You know what I'm talking about, right, Betsy? You're no, an admin. Oh uh, yeah. You're an yeah. admin in the groups. You've encountered. Yeah. Them. Yeah, there's there's a particular, and I've I, I'm not super active in the online ex-Jehovah's Witness community anymore. When we would get really bad trolls, people that were there specifically to just troll, and I nine times out of ten, I would guarantee, I'd bet my life, they were disfellowshipped Jehovah's Witnesses. They were so 
Oh, they were horrible. They're the worst. <laughs> They're the worst. Can we call out the Mad JW? Do you remember the Mad JW? Oh my God. Oh, I have so many. Uh, the more they fight you, they have doubts and they're fighting yeah, they're themselves. Trying to convince themselves. Yeah. yeah, they're trying to convince themselves. And ultimately, they would end up being part of the ex Women's community in some way or form. It's a way of convincing yourself of, of these things that you know deep inside. Yeah. But Joe wasn't that type. I always hear Joe's story and I'm like, dude, you were like the real deal, man. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, I told yeah. you my father, like, my father was, he believed this to his core and that's how he taught us. So Joe, because of you, I'm going to re- not retract, but correct my thought in saying that maybe not all believing this fellowship people annoy me. If <laughs> I just the ones that I've encountered that are mean to me, there's probably some out there that are like you that are just living their life quietly and trying to get back in and don't mess with extra witnesses that are pretty cool. How about that? Cool. Air quotes. <laughs> <laughs> the next group are disassociated people. That's me. I disassociated. I wrote a letter saying that I said I prayed over this and I gave this a lot of thought and I no longer want to be recognized as Joe's witness. And I sent it in the mail. It's like the opposite story of, of, of Betsy. Betsy got a mail from them. I got, they got mail from me. I disassociated that way. Have you met anyone else that's disassociated? Either of you? Or yes. encounter? Lots, 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 lots. Yeah, yeah. Some of my best friends disassociated. Like, wrote the letter and everything. I, I wanted to write a letter, but my father begged me not to. He, I told him, I don't see them as an authority in my life. And he said, well, if you don't see them as an authority, what do you need to write a letter for? And I think that's because of the loophole. Because once you're disassociated, I think all disassociated people are considered apostates. If you yeah, you know, yeah. live on purpose you are labeled yeah. an apostate. And my father didn't want me to be labeled that. I mean, even now, you know, this is a public podcast. If this was to get back to him, I would be labeled an apostate. Even though I don't bash them for what they do. I mean, it is what it is. But at the same time, I don't sugarcoat my feelings on the organization. And unless you're willing to do that, I mean, I so technically, these podcasts are like me disassociating myself technically. Because uh, I'm sure if, you know, publicly this gets out, I'll get a letter certified in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dear, <laughs> dear, dear Joe, what the you hell, man? Well, what, then, All then, you then, have then, to then, do is shut like, up. <laughs> but see, then you could be like, what were you doing listening to a Posse podcast? Exactly. Uh, the, the plot Loophole. thickens. I love how both of you lead into the next group. The apostates, a year after I disassociated, they changed the rules of the game. Before, if you disassociated, they would say, this person disassociated from the organization. And if you were disfellowshipped, they would say that you were disfellowshipped. Now, they don't tell you what the hell's going on. Pretty right. Much, it's just uh, no longer a doubt. No, it's witness. It doesn't matter if you left or not, which how convenient, right? More people are disassociating, even though it's less. More people are disassociating. They don't want people knowing that people can disassociate and those people who disassociate and are critical of the watchtower or vocal are labeled apostates and you know what i never really correlated 
the change to the amount of people that were disassociating themselves to the amount of people that were being disfellowshipped. Like that makes so I much didn't sense. Either. That makes See, sense. I thought it was, I thought it was a, um, and this is just my, what I thought. I, I assumed that it was a legal thing where they couldn't, I where think... they couldn't say like, maybe someone had sued them for defamation or threatened them with a lawsuit for defamation for saying that they were disfellowshipped. That's just, that was just what I assumed. <laughs> I, but I think you're right. I think that's the reason they give. I'm being Mr. Conspiracy Theory today. Last time it was Joe with Coke. This time it's me with this. Yeah. This time it's me with the with this with this disassociation. But it just so happens that when more people were leaving voluntarily, started leaving, that this rule changed. It just so happens. Maybe I'm right. right. Maybe I'm wrong. If it continued to be that way, where they announced the difference. I think that would have caused more people to disassociate. I agree. Uh, I mean, there was a different yeah. feeling when I heard, you know, somebody disassociated themselves than when I heard they were disfellowship. Absolutely. Because, yeah, one was like, okay, there's hope. And then the other one was, there was no hope for this person. This person right. is completely gone. And you do right. wonder, like, what happened to make this person leave, decide this wasn't the truth? But you were afraid to ask them because now they were, you know, apostates. Right. Ex- exactly. Yeah, and that goes back to Ruben's point of when you disassociate, you are yeah. automatically labeled apostate within the organization. I like the points that you brought up. The labels, the apostate label is something that they use to scare people. I would get that feeling when I used to see people standing outside of the conventions with signs. I'd be yeah. like, why? So I think the very fact that people disassociate themselves, it's kind of like a statement. And that's why I did it. I wanted to make a statement. I wanted to, I wanted the witnesses or anyone to know that they didn't fucking kick me out. I fucking left. And really, I respect it either. Like if people choose to like, I respect Joe's reasons for, I respect your reasons for choosing to leave um, and put in that. And, and then you're, you now remove yourself from their numbers as well. They can't count you as a Jehovah's Witness anymore. You're no longer counted as one of their members. Yes. Um, when you disassociate, but I respect, and I respect those reasons as well for, you know, maintaining that communication with his family. I totally do. When, you know how sometimes that, that comes up in conversations, like what's, what should I do? I'm like, uh, that's, I can't. Whatever you want to do. What yeah, exactly. It's hard to give advice on that. I already know once they hear me talk bad about it, it's like, well, you know, now they have no choice because that's the rules. And I had less to lose. You know what I mean? My my family, most of my family aren't Joe's witnesses. I had less to lose. I can take that hit. So when somebody asks, what should I do? I'm like, that's completely up to you. I have my reasons for why I did it. But then again, I can afford it. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like it's not easier for me to do it than for somebody else to do it. Well, and you can't unring a bell. So we discussed all these different types of former Joe's witnesses. The broad road is like a zigzag journey. What advice would you give a former Jehovah's Witness? For me, I guess my three biggest pieces of advice would be use technology and seek out the camaraderie with other ex-Jehovah's Witnesses so that you do have folks that you can commiserate with and that understand your experiences because that is that validation is incredibly important. But don't stop there. Don't just stop with getting the validation. Do the research on your own, which no one can do for you. That is something that 
has to be done on your own. No one can do this research for you. To make sure that you fully deprogram from these beliefs, particularly the fear of Armageddon. Research as much as you can about the history of the religion. And then also, if you have insurance, if it's available, if you can financially do it, therapy. If you can, but you know, that's not something that's accessible to everyone. How about you, Joe? Anything else you'd like to add? Pretty much everything Betsy said, especially therapy. I think therapy helped me a lot. And if you're in the position to get therapy, I encourage it, especially as an ex-Jehovah's Witness, because that deprogramming, it can, it can take a toll on you mentally, but also don't get lost in finding yourself. Like, don't be afraid to be yourself when you leave. Uh, I know for me, I, didn't think that who I was was right because it, I was so used to being a Jehovah's Witness. And so I went out, I found myself in groups that I didn't belong. And, you know, the, the ex-Jehovah's Witness community online did help. I, I found you and you have been a great friend through all of this. And I, you allow me to be myself and talk about things that, that hurt where when you leave, sometimes people that can't understand what you're going through they don't have the sympathy or empathy to be patient. So therapy and find yourself and don't be afraid to be yourself. That's my advice. I, I like to piggyback off of that. That's good stuff. To piggyback off of that, I would also add, don't be afraid to rebuild your village oh, as many times as you need to. Because yes. like, you know, when we leave, we lose everything and everyone most of the time. Most of the time, most folks at least lose everything and everyone. And we don't need to be so afraid of being like the Jehovah's Witnesses that we hang on to friendships that are unhealthy for us or people that are unhealthy for us or relationships that are unhealthy for us. Me personally, I've rebuilt my village many, many times over and it's good now. I'm good. I have a wonderful support system. I have great friends. I'm good. I've had to rebuild over and over again. I'm not being afraid to still have boundaries in your life and not feel like you're disfellowshipping people from your life because there are still unhealthy people and unhealthy relationships out here and not being afraid to cut those relationships off. Everything that you both said is awesome. I really appreciate your feedback and your thoughts and you being co-hosts with me. And I love talking to both of you. I know I'm not alone because I have friends like you. And that is uh, something that helps. It's about growth. And sometimes you have to rebuild several times before you get it right. Shit, I don't think I have it completely right. Every five years, I look back and I'm like, man, I was a dumb idiot. And I'm pretty sure that five years from now, I'll be like, holy shit, I was so stupid. But that's a good thing. You shouldn't be in the same place. You got to keep moving forward. Yes. Not keep moving, keep learning. Yeah. You know, we always talked about invalidation and how that sucks. And knowing you're not alone does validate. But also being stuck isn't the answer either. So moving forward is the way I like to think of it. It's not getting over anything, but just moving forward past things and, and moving along and growing and becoming better as time goes by. And sometimes you're wrong. And that's a hard one for me. But damn it. Sometimes I've I've been super wrong and it's been hard to um the thing that brought us all here together today was being wrong too. Like sometimes being wrong can be the greatest thing that happens to you. Yep. You know, be, uh, we were all wrong about the Jehovah's Witnesses. We thought they were right and they were not. We were wrong. Yep. And and now we're free of yeah. that. 
So being wrong can be a really, really great thing. It's humbling in the beginning, but there's nothing wrong with that. And speaking of being wrong, I like to end the podcast with my new segment. Oh, no. Yes, yes. The Jehovah Quiz! I'm going to ask you a series of five questions. Basically, Jehovah's Witness Doctrine. And I want to see if you remember any. (laughs) You ready for your first question? For this first time, you can work, discuss, and choose an answer together if you like. Okay. All right. Yeah. You can put your brains together. All right. Question number one. Some of these are easy. Some of them aren't. Number one. Who is Michael the Archangel? A. Michael the Archangel. B. Charles Taze Russell resurrected as the angel that leads the other angels into war against Satan. C. Jesus Christ. D. John Travolta. What is your answer? I think it's Travolta. It's Jesus. Wrong. It, no, I think it's Jesus, right? I I think it's it's either Jesus or they it really is Jesus, and they don't believe it's Jesus. So you will go with your. It's either it's one of the it's it's either Jesus or or it's not Jesus. I mean, he led, he led God's <laughs> army against Satan, right? So I believe that's right. Jesus. But uh, they were wrong. They were wrong about something with. Because it's either Jesus or not Jesus. It's either Jesus or Michael. So your answer is C, Jesus Christ? Uh, We'll go with Joe on this one. I defer to Joe. You're absolutely right. Jesus Christ is the answer. I can't believe you didn't get that. (laughs) I love (laughs) When I brought up that. It's absolutely. It was. He played Michael in a movie. <laughs> yeah, that's why I put Jesus. Okay, question. Very well done. You got one, and right. uh, we win. That that no. Wait, wait. The end. Uh, okay, so <laughs> question number two. What year was it explained that the great crowd were a people with an earthly hope? A. Two thousand zero zero party over. Oops, out of time. 1999. Nineteen thirty-five. I want to say thirty-five. What do you think, Joe? Yeah, I think it's thirty-five. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Nineteen thirty-five. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we know all this. Well, uh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. It's in there somewhere. It's in the brain somewhere. Just gotta pull the pull. It's Still about a matter of pulling the data out. Yeah. Uh, all right. N- question number three. What chapter of the book of John has 11 verses removed from the New World Translation? A, chapter 3. B, 69. (laughs) C, 8. D, 18. 8. You're absolutely right. All right. You're on a roll. Two more questions. You got three out of five. Uh, Question number four. When should a woman 
wear a head covering. A. When the angels are horny. B. Prayer. C. Anytime she fulfills a role usually assigned to a male. D. Anytime a peepee is around. All of the above. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when the angels are horny. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's it's when the male when she when a woman does something that's assigned to a male. Yep, that one. Absolutely correct. Well, four out of five. Last question. You're doing great. You're on a roll. In what year was the organization freed from Babylon the Great? According to their beliefs. A, 1919, B, 1928, C, 1935, D, Y2K. Don't ruin this now. Yeah, 1919. Well, let's not ruin this now. I believe, I think 1919 is my final answer. Absolutely correct. Final answer. Five out of five. Give yourselves a hand of applause. We win. I'm not proud of that. (laughs) When I said, when I told Joe, I told Joe we're going to do this, he was like, I hope I don't remember anything. Then therapy worked. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Oh, man. Joe, therapy didn't work as good as you thought it did. I want my money back. (laughs) (laughs) Go to your therapist. I could answer all of these. Well done, well done. So, all right. What a fantastic time we had with Joe and Betsy. But we have one more segment heading your way. We're ending today's show with a new segment called Now What? Where we feature projects in the works by former Jehovah's Witnesses. Today I'm proud to introduce to you my longtime friend Karama Sadaka, a man of many skills and talents. We can also thank him for the new music that you heard at the beginning of this show. Krama, how are you today? Well, after that wonderful introduction, I'm so much better. Um, I figured I'd put the sexy voice on for you listeners and tell everybody hello. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. I like that. <laughs> ah, what's happening, Ruben? Things are great. Things are looking good. Awesome. Well, the reason I invited you to this uh, segment is because I wanted to speak to you about your project, Lotta Letters, right? Yes. Letters. 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 Lotta Letters. Lotta Letters. I'm looking letters. at I'm looking at the Instagram right now, and its description is it's not a photo, it's a lot of letters. Tell me more about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, technically they're typography portraits, and that's what I would tell people. But even when I said that just now, I know. Nothing happened. You didn't react to me saying this was what, typography. What a typography. What the hell? <laughs> See? See? Nobody knows what that is. Yes. So I just showed somebody one day and they were like, oh my God, like, is this what you were talking about? Yes. This? No, 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 no. So everybody had names for them, poetry faces and things, and nothing really felt right. So a couple months ago, I just was brainstorming and I imagined being back home in New Orleans and somebody looked at this. And said, what is this? And I said, what is it? What do you think? Like, what do you see? Well, it's a picture. I said, well, no, you think it's a picture, but it's really a lot of letters. And the name just felt right. I was like, that's it. We're going to go with that. Now, what the project actually is about, I was trying to find a way to mix photography and poetry. And finally, I have it down to a science. And the reason that I say down to a science 
is because I use them to help myself with PTSD and depression. It'll help to self-esteem, escaping something that you're in, escaping a mindset in particular. There's so many things you can do to uh, stop with negative thoughts and replacing them with positive affirmations. And that's what I have been doing with them. And we have had so much success that right now I'm working on a website that will allow people to see what they look like in their homes, in their offices, because literally all you have to do is keep it within uh, your line of sight or your field of vision and they work subconsciously. Right. So what I'm looking at is, is an image of somebody and from far away, it looks kind of like a, I would describe a kind of like a digital image somewhat. And you can't really tell the letters, but when you click on the picture and you zoom in, Yep. that's when you see all this writing. Basically, what you're saying is subconsciously, you're looking at it, you're looking at these affirmations, you're looking at yourself, and it gives you this feeling of accomplishment or whatever you're going for, right? Whatever you're going for. What's really been working a lot lately, Ruben, is people using them for their um, screensavers or their lock screens on their phone. Mm, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, because you see it and it's like it's speaking to you subconsciously and you, you, you see your phone over and over and over throughout the day. So it's helping, it's working. And then when people happen to see it, it's like, oh, that's a cool picture. I've been also doing special custom orders for people who are graduating. Well, I haven't been doing a, you know actual live photo shoots in quite a while now. But with custom art, people are really, really feeling low. And feeling uncertain with everything that's going on right now. And these are the times that we need to really, really speak out with our art and our activism and what we're doing and help each other to feel better. Because most XJ-dubs have prepared for this type of thing all our lives. Even those of us who are affected differently, that's those are the people that I want to help with this. Those are the people I want to reach out and, and let know, look, just, just talk to me. We'll get some art together for you and we'll get something that will help you. And we'll work together so that we can all start to feel better quickly. Where can we find this? L-O-T-T-A underscore L-E-T-T-A-S. That's us on Instagram. And it's the same thing without the underscore on Facebook and everywhere else. L-O-T-T-A-L-E-T-T-A-S. Lot of letters. You're on Instagram and you're on Facebook. Yep. Website is coming. Yep. All right. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, Ruben. Good to talk to you, man. Same here, man. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Nobody Asked Us to Do This, the next Jehovah's Witness podcast. Remember, our stories may be varied, but you are not alone. Take off that new personality and put on your own. Have a great one.